Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. We're going to pick up where we left off in our new book, Book of Isaiah, chapter 2, if you want to read along with me. Let's begin with verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So, people were talking about the one the book is named for, Isaiah. He's got a vision about the kingdom of Judah and its capital city, Jerusalem, the same one that exists in modern times for the time being. Verse 2, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. So um, if you are using a new King James Version like I'm doing, you can read the headline that's added to sort of um, tell us what the verse, what the passage is going to be about. It says the future house of God. So apparently it's, um, like it says in verse 1, it's his vision of what, it's Isaiah's vision of the future. And apparently it's of a temple in the future from then. And this is after the first temple has already been built. Um, the one that um, Solomon built. Um so I don't know if it, it's still in existence at this point or if this is after it's been conquered. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So um, Isaiah is seeing a time where people are going to be looking to Jerusalem as uh, the um, the go-to point uh, for righteousness, or at least direction, uh, religiously speaking. So in that sense, I guess um, that has been fulfilled for us Christians with Jesus' mission and showing up and delivering us these red, the, the red letters, these aren't red letters, um, for us. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords and the plowshares and their spears and the pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. So obviously that's a future moment that wasn't even during Jesus' time. If that's a moment to come to pass, it's one that hasn't happened yet. Or at least not happened on a worldwide basis so it's possible that it has come true for a specific people uh, but it definitely hasn't come true for the world um, and it seems more like that's a, a vision of uh, Christ's second coming if we're going to apply it to uh, modern times so let's keep reading verse 5 O house of Jacob come and let us walk in the light of the Lord so um, Isaiah is admonishing the people to um, walk in light, not in darkness, basically to seek God. And we've already been through the whole Y-H-W-H-Y-H-B-H explanation of why Lord is in the all caps. So I won't go into that again. Verse 6, for you've forsaken your people, the house of Jacob, because they're filled with eastern ways. They are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they're pleased with the children of foreigners. So it seems that Isaiah is 
talking to God, and um, I guess uh, saying God is right in abandoning the people, since the people have abandoned God. The people haven't been faithful to one religion at all. Instead, they've adopted the religions of the nations around them. It says Eastern ways. So um, probably Asian uh, cultures um, are have affected them. I mean, they're basically right there at the border anyway. Um, so it seems that's an issue, um, the fact that they weren't faithful. Verse 7, their land is also full of silver and gold, and there's no end to their treasuries. And their land is also full of horses. There's no end to their chariots. So it seems it's a society full of excess, um, much like America. Lots of different uh, consumerism going on. People being able uh, to buy their way to happiness. Verse 8, their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands that which their own fingers have made. So that does sound crazy, um, that people create something themselves and then worship it as if, literally worship it, it, treating it higher than you treat yourself or treat other people when it's just something you created. Um, meaning it can be recreated generally. Um, so why in the world would something created by hands be elevated above human, humanity, much less God, except for the fact that people value other things more than they value human life. They don't even value all human life equally. Many people value animal life more than they value human life. Verse 9, people bow down and each man humbles himself. Therefore, do not forgive them. So now Isaiah is a uh, it seems talking to God and saying, well, you know what? The people are pretty corrupt. They bow down to this, that, and the other. They're worshiping all these other things instead of just you. You know what? You ain't wrong. Go ahead. Don't forgive them. Verse 10, enter into the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. So Isaiah is seems is saying, you know what, God? Ignore them, don't forgive them, pay them no attention, and then tell and then all at the same time telling the people they're so awful, they're so terrible, they should just go ahead and hide in the dust like snakes, like bugs, like uh, vermin, and go ahead and hide in the dust, um, uh, hide from the terror of God. So don't um, be out and about proudly walking around. God might see you and get you. It seems to be is what. Uh, Isaiah is warning the people um, to hide from the presence of God because as soon as God spots that wickedness that you're so proud of, it's going to be trouble, trouble. Verse 11, the lofty looks of man shall be humble. The haughtiness of men shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. So um, Isaiah is saying the people are going to get brought back. They're going to be able to... Uh, stripped down from all of their wealth and pomp and all their excess, all of that stuff is going to be stripped away. They're going to be humbled. Um, and God alone shall be exalted. The one thing, the high place that will be looked to. Verse 12, for the day of the Lord of hosts 
So come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be low. So Isaiah is saying, anything exalted uh, that people lift up and exalt and raise as their idol, as their God, as their source, of, as their um, object of affection and love and veneration and respect and holiness. If you lift up anything else in that place instead of God, it's going to be taken down, is what 12 is saying. Verse 13, upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan, so all those big, tall trees, the tall, long, hard things people like to worship, those phallic symbols, things of power people like to look to, all of that's going to be taken down. Verse 14, upon all the high mountains and upon all the hills that are lifted up. So it seems even the places where people go, those high places, like I said, the wicker man in the, in the last reading, people for some reason like to do those robes and uh, woodling type orgy things. Um, I guess being close to nature and thinking being closer to God, I don't know. Although I have done some wooden stuff. Um, but it, here it seems all that high place worship is going to be taken away. Verse 15, upon every high tower, upon every fortified wall. So again, with the high places, the high towers, the places people look to for refuge, the walls, just like in modern times that people like to build or at least use as a wall against the truth. Because if you really believe billions and trillions of dollars are going toward peace, you'd have to be crazy to believe that. If you really believe that the wall couldn't have been built by now, if that's where the money was going, that seems to me crazy talk to me. And not that a wall would work anyway. The Great Wall of China clearly didn't work. Why in the world would people spend resources on nonsense like that instead of spending those same resources on the people? There's corruption. Verse 16. Upon all the ships of upon all the ships of Tarshish and upon all the beautiful sloops. So what's what's a sloop? Okay, upon a quick search, it looks like a sloop is a small ship often used with war. Um, so it seems the high, tire, high towers that are used for defense, you know, looking out for when enemies show up, and the little sloops, the little uh, the little war boats, the little warships to lead out the big ships. Uh, what's going to happen to them? Verse 17, the loftiness of man shall be bowed down. And the haughtiness of men shall be low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. So it seems everybody's going to get a reality check. If this has come true or not already. I don't know. I have to keep reading who this is applying to. Um, but it seems but it seems like it probably hasn't come true in a worldwide sense. Because as far as I can tell, God alone is not the only thing, one, being exalted. Um in society around the world. So this probably has not come true. Um, but maybe it has on a local basis. Let's keep reading. Verse 18. 
of idols he shall utterly abolish. So that probably has come true. For the most part, most of those religions uh, that we've read about, I don't didn't know about. I have to search them to find out about them at all. So they're basically lost to time, at least generally speaking. So in that sense, I would think that verse has probably come true. So then maybe locally, some of these other ones also have also. Verse 19, they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. So um, it seems like it's alluding to Isaiah seeing a physical presence of the Lord um, terrorizing the people um, visibly to know, so that they know that that's who's doing it and that's why it's happening. And uh, the earth shaking mightily sounds like a lot more than just an earthquake. Um, but it also sounds like this probably has already happened. Um, uh, but the part about the from the terror of the Lord. So I guess the terror of the Lord doesn't mean that the Lord would have to actually be there physically or, you know, visibly. It could still be a terror set. So let's keep reading. Verse 20, in that day, a man will cast away his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they've made each for himself to worship, to the moles and bats. So I don't think that has happened yet because anything made of gold and silver is being uh, very much coveted in modern times. Pe people aren't throwing it away, whether it's, it could be a golden cockroach and people would not throw it away. So I don't think this has come to pass yet. Um, it seems to be alluding to, uh, like it says in the little subtitle there, the Lord's day, the great day, sort of like the last day's prophecy of what he seems to be seeing here. Um, how does it describe it? Let me scroll up and see the day of the Lord. Um, and some preachers will take this and twist it and say the day of the Lord is a thousand years because Peter says something like that in the New Testament. Well, Peter wasn't Jesus. Peter was just one of the disciples. So Peter's saying a day is as a thousand years. In my mind, in my Christian walk, in just my opinion, means next to nothing. Because it's not like Jesus told him that, uh, or at least it doesn't say Jesus told him that. It's him saying that. So, I don't know. I To keep reading, um, verse um, 21, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the crags of the rugged rocks from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. So, I think we read that. So, it seems the people are going to abandon their idols, the things that they're worshiping, whether it's gold, whether it's silver, uh, whatever it is, it seems they're going to cast it far away and realize what's really divine and what's really fabulous, the presence of God. So in that sense, I guess that's a good thing. Verse 22, sever yourselves from such a man whose breath is in his nostrils, for what account is he? So I'm not sure what he means by that. What does Isaiah mean by saying separate yourselves? That's what severing yourselves from someone who's alive, basically, whose breath is in his nostrils. For what account is he? I don't know what he means by that.
And he's saying separate yourselves from other human beings, basically. Separate yourselves from other people who are alive. Oh, what account is he? I don't know. That verse is beyond me. But that verse is the last verse in this chapter. So I'm going to have to end the reading here. And maybe have to do a little more extracurricular research on what that could possibly mean. Verse 22. Here we're going to end it. Love you. Appreciate you reading along with me and hope you'll join me again for the Naked Truth. Stay safe. Peace be with you.